Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you Welcome to the Pat Mayo Experience. We've already done the winners and losers of NFL free agency for the NFC. So today, spoiler alert, AFC winners and losers. The teams that got better, the teams that got worse. If you want to get into a draw for 20 DraftKings dollars, it's super easy. Smash the like button for the video. Leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section and tell me which AFC team. Now, I don't want to hear about the Eagles or the Cardinals because they are in the NFC. Now, remember this, because I was looking through the comments of the NFC show where I said the same fucking thing, and everyone's like, you know who got worse? The Texans. Hey, you're ineligible for the truck because you're a fucking moron. Smash the like. Leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section. AFC team who got better. AFC team who got worse. There's only one way to screw this up. That's to put in NFC teams. It doesn't matter who you say. As long as they're in the AFC, you're eligible for the draw for 20 DK bucks. Want to get into a draw for 100 DraftKings dollars? Subscribe to the Pat Mayo Experience audio podcast. Leave a five-star review. DraftKings handle. Something you enjoy about the Pat Mayo Experience, and you'll be in the draw for 100 DK bucks. I used to announce the winners every Monday on the Pat Mayo Experience, but times have changed a little bit, so just periodically I'll be announcing winners. Like right now. Winners of the 100 DK dollar giveaway for this past like 10 day stretch or so. Kine 1997 and RK Chapman. Congratulations. You're the winners of 100 DK bucks. Winners of 20 DK dollars. Puck Bond 007. Bop, bop, bop. Verbal Flint. Commando 20. Pirate Cat 88. Zanzir Golden. Singy 18. Rob Weir. And Jamma underscore two. Or duh. Or dose. I don't know where you live, but you know, it's the number two. Uh, you're all the winners of 20 DraftKings dollars. Congratulations. Joining me on the line to break this all down, normally we're talking sports betting or fantasy, and we'll probably mix in a bit of that too, but general winners and losers of AFC helping me do this on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio every weekday from 1 to 3 with his main man, Brandon Funston. It is Brad Evans. What's up? Hola, amigo. Uh, I am uh, donning a hat because my hair underneath, you know, I, I'm self-isolated like everybody else uh, in North America, really the entirety of the world. Uh, I can't get access to a barber, so I've got a little Krusty the Clown hairstyle going. So it's, it's more appropriate to keep it tamped down underneath this fine Denver Nuggets hat. Brad, y- you have a bick at home. Just, just go full Mr. Clean. <laughs> It looks ridiculous right now. You're right. That's what I'm going to do. But, uh, you know, desperate times call for desperate measures. It caught me in a pinch. So here I am. I've so, got the hat on. There I, it is. 
Oh, boy. I, I'm usually on like a two-week haircut you know, timeline here. Yeah, I'm on video. I need to keep it tight. Uh, this is yep. like three weeks worth of growth. And like, I, I mean, my hair is ridiculous to begin with. But, you know, if I can just keep it short and look like I'm in the Army in 1953, then, you know, I'm just getting home from Korea. I have a nice buzz cut. You know, that's a timeless haircut. Now it's just I don't know what to do. So I, I might have to get my wife to order clippers and just give me a quick trim and just be good to go. I might have the same haircut as you here soon. I think you should go full Joe Exotic mullet, man. Just I, that, let it go. That, let the waterfall flow, baby. If I had the leopard, I have some pretty outrageous shirts. However, I don't have any leopard print, which is a problem. Wait, you don't have that in your underwear collection? I, I could have. I, I would have easily pegged you for a leopard print, uh, banana hammock, a satin version of it in uh, Pat Mayo's drawer. But uh, this is a shocker special to me. Well, the, the the day, I mean, not the day I got married, the day I got engaged, I, uh, my banana hammocks, silk banana hammocks, some of which were leopard print, were purged from the closet when I made the move in with my now wife. So, you know, you can blame her for that. <laughs> oh, man, that's uh, that's a missed opportunity, my friend. You got to break that back out. Uh, there's always this thing called Amazon. So if you need to replenish the supply, by all means, do so. And they'll yeah. have a nice little package delivered to your door in a couple of days. Yeah, but the thing is, the stuff isn't coming so quickly anymore. I was looking at my Amazon Prime yesterday for, like, resistance bands to order to my house. Even Prime's going to be like a month. I was like, ah, yeah, I don't want to order that. I mean, who knows what's going to happen by then? <laughs> yeah, those pythons have become gardener snakes. Yeah. They're pretty soon there now. Yeah, it's not good. I, I need to find, I need to, like, start lifting my kid up and just start curling him over <laughs> yeah. and over. Can't lose the gains. The gains are going down substantially. Anyway, let's talk about football. AFC. Winners and losers. We know who the loser is. We'll get to them in a second. Who is the big winner, do you think, in the AFC after the first round of transactions? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of uh, winners that immediately pop uh, out uh, in my estimation. I think, obviously, the Indianapolis Colts getting an upgraded quarterback going from Jacoby Brissett to Phillip Rivers uh, is an enormous shot in the arm for that franchise. And Brissett really struggled in multiple capacities last season from an advanced analytics perspective. One of the least efficient passers in the league where you're looking at adjusted completion percentage, deep ball completion percentage, under pressure completion percentage. It goes on and on and on. And he did that behind a premium offensive line. Uh, Philip Rivers long in the tooth, but the old family truckster's going to load up uh, all the kiddos and take them to the heartland of the country. And I still think there's some gas left in the tank. Now he's still shot putting footballs. Uh, and last year, Rivers really struggled in red zone completion percentage. He was outside the top 20 among eligible quarterbacks in that category. But you have a healthy T.Y. Hilton, a healthy, for now, Jack Doyle. I think you have a strong ground game there with Marlon Mack. Naheem Hines could be a poor man's Austin Eckler within this scheme and a fantasy sleeper of sorts. So I, I like the overall potential. I, I hope that uh, the Colts add a talented receiver or two via the NFL draft. But uh, I think ultimately they solved their biggest puzzle by getting that upgraded quarterback. So I would say the Indianapolis Colts were the biggest winners of this free agency period in the AFC. Now, usually I have Feinberg on the show and I troll him about Rivers the entire time, but I don't like a lot of the unsuccessful nature of Jacoby Brissett last season was basically due to the ankle injury. He ended up sustaining like yeah. halfway through the year. He was pretty good in the first half of the year. The second half, he was absolutely atrocious. So it seemed to me like he was playing through an injury and like, what is Rivers at this point? He's basically Jay Cutler. Is that what we're looking like? A weaker arm Jay Cutler? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, they're both kind of similar in, in some ways. I mean, River's more demonstrative, I think, in his antics that he has on the field. 
Uh, but, you know, yeah, I think they're a similar uh, player in terms of what they bring to the table, statistically speaking, but it's a ripe situation. It's just a matter of can the weapon stay healthy for Rivers because he's going to be well protected. I mean, that Colts offensive line is a great wall of China, a very rigid, rigid unit overall, and having Hines there, again, is that safety valve underneath. You could maybe catch, you know, 55 or 60 balls. Uh, I like the upside. I really do. I understand your perspective on Brissett. Uh, you're right. He was at least respectable over the first half of the regular season last year. Then he had that high ankle sprain that really bogged him down. But I think he's a jag. He's just a guy. And River is still at his advanced age. I think get it done and done efficiently within this offensive scheme. Uh, and defensively, they pick they trade for DeForest Buckner, get rid of their first round pick. That's a substantial upgrade. But then they sign Xavier Rhodes, which you know sounds good. You know, you're like, oh, Pro Bowls. I mean, from like three years ago. Here we go. But like, he's been bad for two years in Minnesota. Yeah, he was one of the worst uh, cover corners in the league, corner pro football focus last year. He gave up a passer rating to his assignments right around 120. Uh, and he had also one of the uh, highest yards per snap allowed of any eligible corner in the league. So he is a shell of what he used to be. And uh, definitely, I would say that's a downgrade. But from a fantasy perspective, if that secondary is overly forgiving and that version of Xavier Rhodes we saw last year uh, makes an appearance in Indianapolis Colts blue, then what is Philip Rivers going to do? He's going to be chucking it like mad, which means a higher fantasy floor overall. You know, maybe get uh, over 4,000 yards passing. And if I were to set it here, I'll ask you right now, Mayo, if I set an over under of 26 and a half passing touchdowns for Rivers this season, what direction would you go over or under? Probably take the under. And I'd probably take the over, assuming 16 games, and he's largely been an Ironman in his career. So, again, it's all about whether or not T.Y. Hilton, Jack Doyle, some of these peripheral weapons can remain upright. And if they do, uh, I think he could throw for 27, 28 TDs this year. I, it's weird because I think if we're thinking about like over under touchdown passes for Rivers, I think the worst that the Colts are, that the potential for him to hit that number is going to be substantially higher so I think the under is more predicated on the fact that I think the defense is a little bit better you mentioned the offensive line is stout they re-signed their two main pieces that they had to I think they're going to be able to run the ball effectively and if they do that they probably don't have to go to the air as much thus limiting yeah. the potential upside now if they're constantly in the red zone and they decide to pass in the red zone all the time that's one thing but if they can effectively run the ball he might not get there yeah, and I think that's a valid argument. Um, you know, it's kind of pivot off Indianapolis. Let's talk about another team that I, I feel was a major winner for the most part. You know, I like the move the Denver Broncos made signing Melvin Gordon. And, what? you know, a lot of, yeah, there are going to be a lot of people going to poo poo this. Like, I know I have a Denver Nuggets hat on. I am not a Broncos fan. I'm a Bears guy. This is why I drink. This is why my liver is the size of Texas, because the Bears go out and make idiotic moves like sign Jimmy Graham to a $9 million guaranteed deal, $16 million over two years, when the guy's a turnstile in terms of pass blocking and doesn't get the separation like he used to back in the day with the Seattle Seahawks or even the New Orleans Saints. So uh, I, I hate uh, Ryan Pace with fiery passion, and Matt Nagy drives me bananas. But anyway... I digress on the Broncos. You know, you got Pat Schirmer coming in now, running the offense for this Broncos franchise. You have a greenhorn quarterback and Drew Locke, who, you know, showed some flashes last season, some signs of encouragement. That's been the bugaboo for John Elway and company here the last several years, not really finding a suitable quarterback, whether it's Brock Osweiler, Case Keenum, Joe Flacco. I think Locke could be that answer. I love Cortland Sutton, who I think is a budding 
star in this league. And we already know he is a star for fantasy purposes. And I think he's a player that could be at least a back end wide receiver one in 12 team formats this season. Uh, you know, they're going to have to add another wide receiver, I think, via the NFL draft. Uh, we'll see, you know, what else that they do in terms of other positions there. They definitely got to address the secondary and the linebacker core, but the defensive line uh, should be pretty strong this season. The offensive line was top 10 last year in pass blocking efficiency, according to Pro Football Focus. So you put all that together with Shermer, and Shermer said, look, we need three key elements at running back. And it was, we got to have somebody who can come in and pass block because Philip Lindsay was one of the least efficient in that category last season. The Royce Freeman was at least respectable as a pass blocker last year. We need somebody who can catch the ball fluidly out of the backfield. Now, Royce Freeman had 43 receptions last season. He was no slouch in that category. Uh, but I think this franchise has soured on him a bit. And Philip Lindsay, uh, though, you know, uh, he was suitable in that category last season. He's not a dynamic pass catcher like say an Austin Eckler and then number three they needed somebody to get tough yards between the tackles now Philip Lindsay you give him that full head of steam he's explosive he you know a shot out of a cannon when he has the proper blocking but not necessarily a pounder his yards after contact per attempt not exactly stand out neither was Melvin Gordon's last year but I blame a lot of that on the fact that he sat out for a handful of games on his own volition but I think Gordon is a guy that can come in he checks all three of those boxes that Shermer is looking for. And you want somebody that I think is going to be a little bit discounted in fantasy drafts. You may get in round three, maybe slips around four. It's probably Gordon. Uh, he is motivated. Uh, he's a proven commodity and a player that I think is going to get at least 65 to 70% of the snap share. And I'm even hearing some rumblings locally that Philip Lindsay could be on the trade block. So it's a possibility that this team keeps Royce Freeman, which I've also heard they're going to no matter what they do with Philip Lindsay. And if that's the case, then Gordon's going to get probably 75% of the opportunity share and be a guy that could do significant damage. So I do like that signing, knowing the system and knowing what uh, Pat Shermer was really looking for in a running back. I, I just feel like second contract running backs, I mean, just from a real life perspective, tying up that much of your cap and a guy who's pretty eh, like, you can mine basically the same. I, I think that there's really no difference in playing Melvin Gordon 70% of the snaps and then figuring it out between Lindsey and Freeman, if that's what you really want to do, and just try to invest your money elsewhere. I, I just I just have never looked at Melvin Gordon, watched him, been like, that guy is awesome. He seems like a product of the system fantasy-wise, where all Philip Rivers did was check down to his running backs over and <laughs> right, over. Right. Uh, and, you know, he had to because the offensive line was such trash that, yeah, if you're looking for three yards of carry in, you know, tough situations, boom, Melvin Gordon's your guy. But it just seems like a situation <laughs> where you could have mined that from anyone. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a fair point. And what you're saying, and look, the uh, running back position has been de devalued in the NFL over the last couple of years. You could easily fill that void. And they could have gone in the NFL draft and invested some capital, even like round three, round four, to a guy, uh, you know, maybe DeAndre Swift uh, slips to round three. And he certainly could have came in with fresh legs uh, and a three-down skill set and given it Shermer exactly what he was looking for. But I still like Gordon. Uh, I still think he'd be a very productive player in this league. But what is most important that cannot be overlooked, again, is his pass-blocking efficiency. That is why the Broncos brought him in, because they need to keep Drew Locke clean. 
getting AJ Boye, like subbing out Boye, putting him in instead of Chris Harris, at least on the outside, I think should make a bit of an improvement. Like we can talk about how if, you know, Melvin Gordon, his stats were down because he missed the first part of the year. I can make an excuse for Jacoby Brissett that he had an high ankle sprain midway through the season. He tried to play through it and just wasn't as good. It just feels like everyone on the Jag should just get a write-off year from last year. Like it seemed like they had no incentive to play. It seemed like no one wanted to be there that all of a sudden you could see some of these guys, no matter who it is on their new teams, just, look reinvigorated again yeah you could certainly uh you know argue that i mean change of scenery does wonders for a lot of players and yeah i think they were dragged down by the entire situation scenario that was plaguing northeast florida last year you know i went back and started looking at some of the numbers and, and the one thing about the the jacksonville jaguars that really stood out to me was how damn good leonard fournette was you know you have to ignore the touchdowns the guy caught what 70 plus balls a season ago he stayed healthy he was pounded between the tackles. Uh, he had one of the unsung, fantastic fantasy seasons of 2019. And as a result, what we're seeing, I, I just participated in my first uh, fantasy draft of the season, a 12-team full-point PPR league uh, with all the Sirius XM folks. And he slipped all the way to like the middle to latter portion of round two. And I thought that was a steal of a deal. Yeah, I can see that the middle later portion of round two, like pick 20 or so in a fantasy draft is pretty good because they, you have to look at them and think that they're gigantic losers in the off season. They lost yeah. probably two to three of their best defenders. Uh, they trade away Nick Foles, who, you know, Nick Foles isn't great, but I still think that he's better than Gardner Minshew at this point, uh, who, you know, is fun, but is not good by any means. This all kind of stacks up for more Leonard Fournette. Well, I don't know how much more Leonard Fournette we can actually get than we got last year, but you know, say the touches stay around the same, increase the touchdowns just a little bit more because it should just break that way for him in positive regression. Then yeah, I think that he could be a very good fantasy running back this year. Although I think I'd still rather have like, I'd still rather gamble on Todd Gurley from an upside perspective. Although the downside is just horrible for Todd Gurley. Yeah. He's got an arthritic knee mail i'm not touching todd Gurley. you can have him i, I, I would you know what? i will take him if i want to okay listen if i want to no have way. the if i want to have the guy who's going to max out is running back seven and i can draft him at running back 10 then i'm going to take leonard fournette there's a very high floor with leonard fournette we're talking about someone like todd Gurley. i can draft him as running back 12 or 13 wherever the hell he's going to go in that offense if he can stay healthy and we only get like 80 percent Todd Gurley from like the peak of what he was. So a little bit better than last year, nowhere near where he was two years ago. That's still a guy that's a top five running back. If he can say, if he can play all 16 games in that offense, that can be a touchdown bonanza for him. Yeah. He went to RB 18, 3.05. Uh, that's the round and pick uh, 29 overall. in that recent 12 team PPR draft that we had, uh, I'm, I think that's too rich for my blood. I think people are going to overpay based on the name recognition, you're right. Like he parachuted in a great situation. You got Matt Ryan there, Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones. Even though you lose Austin Hooper, you bring in a Hayden Hurst for the Baltimore Ravens. And you have uh, arguably what should be, at least on paper, a top 10 offensive line. It's a nice setup for Todd Gurley. But again, he's got an arthritic knee. And last I checked, that's a degenerative issue. And I think this team is going to invest in a running back in the NFL draft, uh, you know, maybe they go out and get a, a Keyshawn Vaughn, a kid out of Vanderbilt who's got a legitimate three down skill set. Maybe they go out and invest in a DeAndre Swift, a local kid, Georgia product like Todd Gurley. And he has a complimentary player within this scheme. There is no way you can trot him out there. And at the 74.2% opportunity share that he had last season with the Rams, 
I think at best he's going to get 60% of the opportunity share and he could still break down. I think there's way too much risk there with Todd Gurley at that point, but this is an NFC team. Why are we talking about the Atlanta Falcons? Okay, I have a team who I think is a winner from the AFC, and a lot of this, not even predicated on what they do next. What they have done already, I think, makes them a winner, and what they could do, either in the draft or through free agency, could make them the big winner in all of this, and that's the Chargers. The Chargers revamped the, the rest of their roster. They got rid of the dead weight of Melvin Gordon. Now they can just run out the jackson Eckler backfield. That sounds pretty good to me. Uh, having Tyrod at quarterback is not great, but if you end up with Cam, you roll the dice on that, or you end up with Tua, and you have to trot out Tyrod for a little bit. I think that's pretty good. But they, it's funny. We talk about Rivers. He's now behind an offensive line that can protect him. All of a sudden, Rivers leaves. What do the Chargers do? They go out and get an offensive line. Plus, you have someone like Derwin James, who's going to come back and be healthy for the first time. You're going to have someone like Hunter Henry. Those two guys, after he got franchised, will play together for the first time. Then you bring in Chris Harris. He can move back into the slot corner where he's far more comfortable that their defense yep. could be really really good uh, and with an improved offensive line if you can just get quarterback right and not have a turnover turnstile under center it's going to be a good team yeah I completely uh and 100 agree with your perspective there like I, Austin Eckler is going to be an absolute stud this year and, and look maybe they go on and invest in another running back in the NFL draft but Justin Jackson was more than suitable as a secondary option when Melvin Gordon was, uh, you know, on the sidelines or not even in team facilities for several weeks to begin the season. So, I mean, Eckler was an absolute stud muffin last season. I mean, I don't know if you've seen the videos of him this uh, offseason. He was doing like one-arm chin-ups while reading a book. I love multitaskers. And and the dude's got pythons for arms. uh, And he obviously went out there and was a top three fantasy rusher uh when getting a vigorous workload so now he's going to be the main man and people are saying well Tyros, i got to check down as much as philip rivers within this scheme i disagree with that and i'm not entirely convinced that tyrod is going to be the quarterback for the entire season you mentioned two was a possibility i think they're going to have to leapfrog miami in the nfl draft to acquire two his services maybe trade as high as you know number two overall number three overall but uh you know a lot of people believe that justin herbert kid out of oregon uh, could be the quarterback of the future. And he's soon to be the quarterback of the present there in SoCal. Tyrod's going to be in a deja vu situation, similar to what he had in Cleveland when he was a bridge to Baker Mayfield. Now he's probably going to be the bridge to Justin Herbert. So uh, I don't care if it's Tyrod. I don't care if it's Herbert. You're right. Uh, this is a very nourishing environment, uh, a strong team across the board. Uh, but I think Austin Eckler is is going to be the bee's knees for fantasy purposes this season, though. I think this team could add maybe another vertical weapon to complement Keenan Allen and Mike Williams. But I do agree that Hunter Henry is a guy that's got a limitless ceiling. As long as he can stay healthy over 16 games, he's a guy that's got maybe top three fantasy appeal at the tight end position. Whew, that's that's for a guy who has an injury history like that. I mean, if we're going to downgrade Gurley because of his knee problems, I mean, Hunter Henry can't yeah. stay on the field. That's always a tough yeah. move to vault him up into the top three. It seems like there's two if guys. If he stays healthy, that's the caveat here. Sure. I, I would prefer to overdraft the running back with the injury history and hope that he ends up good rather than draft the tight end with the injury history too highly and then just have, even at best, he's the third best tight end like uh, I can piece together tight end. I mean if you just draft Hayden Hurst or Mike Gusecki or something like that in like the last round you could probably piece together 90% of what Hunter Henry's going to do 
Yeah, I mean, look, uh, looking at the tight end position right now, it's extraordinarily deep. It seems unprecedented, the depth that it possesses right, uh, you know, at this current moment in time. Now, I, I see this every year. I think I've said it like the last two years. I've even written about it. I'm like, oh, tight end looks great. Uh, you can wait on the position. And then by week five, it is a desolate landscape. There's just bodies scattered all over the place. Uh, you know, there are red crosses next to so many people's names that are either on your bench or on the waiver wire. It's utterly ridiculous. But looking at it right now, assuming everything holds up, uh, it is a talent-rich position. I mean, hell, you can get a guy like John U. Smith, my colleague on Faith and Noise on uh, Series X and Fantasy Sports Radio. He drafted John U. in that 12-team exercise in round 15. Uh, it's just extraordinary value there. And he has top 10 potential. Everything falls right for him in Tennessee with Ryan Tannehill coming back and having that continuity there. And we know how much of an athletic marvel that he is. Uh, but look, I, I think Hunter Henry has top three potential. May not happen with Tyrod Taylor. May not happen with Justin Herbert. This may be a you know a shot in the dark. You know, probably like plus seven hundred at odds that that would actually occur. But I think that potential certainly does exist. Again, if a giant if he can play sixteen games this year. Another winner for me, the Cincinnati Bengals. They're going to get Joe Burrow, who are, are we going to – someone asked me, are we going to call Joe Burrow the Tiger Kings? I feel like that's too easy. <laughs> I've already seen the meme that's out there. I think there's T-shirts that have already been made in the Queens. Why not? Embrace it. I think as long as – if you can grow the mullet out, you know, bleach blonde the back end, and, you know, have a holster on his hip the entire time, I'm game. Uh, what I like that they've done, okay, the one thing I don't like that the Bengals haven't done is address their completely porous offensive line. That's not great right. for a rookie quarterback coming in, but Bro can be somewhat mobile. Maybe that can mitigate some of that. But you bring A.J. Green back, so you give him the weapon that he needs in order to succeed here. Bring in Trey Wayans as a corner, a three-year, $42 million deal. I like that. D.J. Reader on the defensive line. So all of a sudden, like, you're building each part of your defense to make it substantially better. I think this is a fantastic move. And if Bro is as good as he should be all of a sudden the Bengals everyone's going to talk about the Browns who also had a really good offseason they've won they've won free agency two years in a row that's fantastic they're still the Browns the Bengals are like super sneaky coming into the year uh I don't entirely disagree with that I want to stick with your super sneaky theme on a good offseason what about the Miami Dolphins you know yeah I, 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 if, okay, it's weird. They had some really nice signings. I think it depends on what they do in the draft, but then it also seemed like we have a ton of money. Let's just sign people. Well, they certainly did that with like Byron Jones, adding Eric Flowers on the offensive line, which ranked dead last in run blocking efficiency according to pro football focus last year. I, I just like the upgrades overall. I think Jordan Howard was a sneaky good ad for them. You know, I know Jordan Howard can't catch the ball. He's got stone hands, but uh, he's a player that certainly is a strong North South runner who's probably got, you know, 270 touches uh, upcoming this season and could get over 1,000 yards, maybe get just six to eight touchdowns on the ground. And he was like RB40, again, in this 12-team PPR exercise. I thought that was extraordinary value. Finding a starting running back in round eight, uh, that is a rarity. Now, I think they're going to go on and invest in a pass-catching running back in the NFL draft, and I think they're going to get Tua. I really do in the end. I think Miami's going to pull out all the stops and make that happen. So Ryan Fitzpatrick's going to be there as a bridge quarterback or ultimately Tua maybe starts the season. And Tua's a very special player, special skill set overall. I mean, the guy had 132 passer rating on chucks between 10 and 19 yards. So in that intermediate range, he just picks defenses apart. Now he had an NFL uh, caliber wide receiver core 
uh, there in Tuscaloosa. But, you know, with Devontae Parker, with Preston Williams, with Jaseki, who you mentioned, Jordan Howard, uh, to take some of that pressure off on the ground and to get a good pass-catching running back to go along with the rebuild offensive line, the defensive upgrades there. I've seen team totals, team win totals on the Miami Dolphins around six. I like the over. I think this could be a seven-win team this year. Hey, it very well could be. It depends on what they get out of the cornerback position. I, th- I do think that by adding Byron Jones is probably one of the best signings of the offseason. We'll see how that ends up working out. These large corner deals historically overpaying the elite guy on the free agent market haven't really worked out all that well in the long term. It's usually like the short-term deals for the corners who, after they bust out of their big contract, have that second part of their career, like Revis-esque. Uh, when you go back and like look at the history of these giant signings. I like it, though. I, I think that's going to be an amazing uh, corner duo in Miami. But then you have, like, let's give Shaq Lawson $10 million a year. Let's uh, <laughs> right. let's give Jordan Howard five. Like, I don't mind Jordan Howard, but, I don't know, it's... And like you mentioned, like, Eric Flowers, $10 million a year. Like, it just seemed like, we have so much money, let's sign guys. Here's money. And... I don't know how well that's going to work out on the whole, but it seems like party Marty Flores is the way that you want to go here. Yeah, look, I, I still, I, I just really like the Miami Dolphins offseason. Uh, I think Jordan Howard's got plenty to show. Look, he wasn't a, he wasn't a post-shelver as a complimentary back last season in Philadelphia. Now, the Eagles had the number one best offensive line in terms of adjusted line yards a lot. If you check out Football Outsiders or run blocking efficiency according to pro football focus. So you're going from the best situation to the league's worst situation in terms of run blocking efficiency last year. But I still think he's a player that can come in and and take the load off of a young quarterback. They're going to get to a, and if that does come to fruition, knowing that Devontae Parker blossomed, it was like on the Gary Barnage plan, like uh, breaking out, what was it, like year five, six? Like Barnage broke out in year seven, which didn't make any sense a few years ago with the Cleveland Browns. But, you know, I like what Preston Williams did when he was healthy and on the field. And as you mentioned, Jaseki is one of those guys who has significant breakout appeal because he's an athletic freak. Uh, just go on YouTube, check out his basketball highlights. Guys dunking all over the place. I uh, can jump out of the gym. Can certainly replicate that, uh, you know, ladder climbing skill in NFL threads. So I like Miami. Uh, I'm not a closet fan or anything. I-, I just think they did what they needed to do to upgrade this overall system. Though you're right. They certainly made it rain down there on South Beach. Would you go tight end if you had to pick like a breakout guy? Would you go Gusecki, Noah Fant, or Hawkinson this year? Hmm, probably Gusecki. Uh, I, I would rank him in this order. Gusecki, Fant. The problem with Noah Fant, he had some concentration issues last year. He dropped a lot of wide open passes, but he's so explosive in the open field. As long as Locke is protected, uh, they could actually develop uh, quite the bromance on the field this season. And then Hawkinson would probably be third on my list. So TJ Hawkinson, his value is, you know, he's an exceptional pass catcher. But his value for the Detroit Lions is the fact that he is a mauler in the trenches as a run blocker. Uh, one of the best in in all of football and a guy that can protect uh, Matthew Stafford on his blind side. So, you know, I like Hawkinson quite a bit. I just don't think the opportunity is going to be there in a more conservative system where they're going to lean on him being tied to the line instead of putting him out in the slot or out wide to take advantage of those matchups. Let's talk Browns for a second. Because like I mentioned, they kind of won the offseason for the second straight year. This year, they bring in Jack Conklin. That's a big upgrade on their offensive line, something they were searching for all last year. Austin Hooper comes in at tight end, the highest-paid tight end in football now. 
I get that you want to upgrade your offense and all these weapons. Don't you have enough weapons on offense? Like, what, what are you doing paying all this money? Yeah, I don't disagree there. You know, and, and, and tagging uh, Kareem Hunt with a second round uh, valuation, I thought was puzzling. Uh, if I were the Browns, I'd be open for business. Be like, hey, if somebody wants to come in and give me a third round or fourth round for Kareem Hunt, here he is. So, you know, serve him up on a silver platter. You got Nick Chubb, for crying out loud, who can catch the ball, who's a, an absolute beast between the pipes. Uh, I do like the Austin Hooper move. Um, you know, I think it's more of a parallel move for Austin Hooper in terms of fantasy worth. He was uh, tied in three in fantasy points uh, per game last season. And a guy that had a catch rate of right around 77%, you know, but you got to have those weapons for Baker Mayfield to go along with, you know, Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham. Hopefully he can have a bounce back. I got Odell Beckham, by the way, in that 12-team PPR draft. Uh, in the early third round, a lot of people said, oh, you overspent on him. He's overvalued at that price point. I disagree. I think it would be a bounce back here, as you mentioned, as long as Mayfield is protected. You know, I I'm willing to write off and ignore what he did last season, given the circumstance, given the coaching staff being just asleep at the wheel for much of the year. You got a new coaching staff in there. He's going to be able to direct this offense, play to his strengths, and as long as that offensive line is above average or even average, uh, I will take it because I think Mayfield can still carve up NFL secondaries when given time, especially with the bevy of weapons now surrounding him. Let's talk some losers. How about, I don't know, Bill O'Brien, loser, right? <laughs> yeah, the dregs of the keg of the Houston Texans. I, it, it's the most puzzling, mind-blowing, inexplicable off season I've, I've ever seen. I've ever seen. I, you know, I turned 42 tomorrow. I've been around the block for a long time. I don't understand what in the hell the Houston Texans were doing, you know, trading away, arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL, you know, or one of the top three, at least I think Michael Thomas clearly is number one, but Deandre Hopkins there in the conversation as the number two guy. So you deal him away uh, to the Arizona Cardinals uh, who are looking great, by the way. That is a sexy-looking team, and I can't wait to get my grubby little hands on as many Arizona Cardinals and fantasy drafts as humanly possible. And then you you bring in your replacement is is Randall Cobb, at least for now. You know, maybe they go out and get a, a, a Judy. Maybe they go out and get a Ruggs. Maybe they get a T. Higgins. I don't know what they're going to do in the NFL draft. They're going to have to make some upgrades there because I feel so damn bad for Deshaun Watson, who's enormously talented. He was running for his life last season because of collapsed pockets due to a wretched offensive line that was outside the top 25 in pass blocking efficiency, outside the top 25 in run blocking efficiency. And I think that was the impetus on why they wanted David Johnson in return because they feel that David Johnson can still be a uh, above average running back in this league. Now, I thought David Johnson looked like a, a mouse on a sticky trap in terms of elusiveness last season. He couldn't cut worth a damn. He could probably still catch the ball. You know, maybe he still got 70, 75 catch appeal in him if he can stay healthy. But the injuries have mounted. The ankle was not right last season. And, you know, it, it prompts a question. Does he have anything left? Has he fallen off the continental shelf into a deep, dark abyss? I am of the thought, the school of thought of yes to that question uh, I, I just don't know what this team was doing. And again, I just, I feel bad for Watson. He deserves better. If you were any GM in the league, would you be like texting Bill O'Brien being like, you know, a fifth round pick for Deshaun Watson? Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? And you might be like, yeah, yeah. it does. I mean, you're seeing some of the odds out there. A lot of uh, odds makers believing that Deshaun Watson will be the New England Patriots quarterback in 2021. Oh my Who God. knows? 
Oh you know, my God. <laughs> it's possible. I, I think I think the Patriots are losing for Lawrence, tanking for Trevor. Anyway, I mean Jared Stidham, Brian Hoyer, Cody Kessler. That's that's what you're gonna do. I mean, they don't have a whole lot of cap room, so they're not gonna go out and get a Jameis Winston. They're not gonna go out and get a Cam Newton. Uh, I don't think they're I, I think that they're in play for Cam only. You do? I do, because it seems like because of the lack of medical medicals that teams can like run right now, the Cam's probably in the market for a one-year deal. He would have to take an enormous discount if he's going to go to New England. But, it, I mean, if, if there's one place you could go to that is set up to be very a very competitive franchise because their defense is going to be elite. They've got a very good offensive line for the most part that would have some shortcomings last year. Uh, he's, you know, the ground game is a little bit suspect. I don't think Sony Michelle is all that. Uh, he's got that bone on bone condition though. You have James white there. I mean, if cam Newton wants to have a rebirth and to, sh- you know, shut up and silence all of his doubters that are putting out, there's like, Oh, this guy can't be a winner again. He was never really a winner before, which is a bunch of BS. Uh, somebody wrote about that. I don't remember who, but I read that headline. I was like, that's just uh, clickbait is all that was. I mean, new England would make the most sense. I still think that cam is going to wind up with the LA chargers. And that's where odds makers are, you know, favoring his location. So, uh, and then what's Jacksonville going to do? Are they really going to go on Gardner Minshew? I mean, I guess that's another spot that could be a place that Jameis Winston winds up. I would just love to see Winston in New England just for the Bill Belichick post-game press conferences when Winston throws his fifth interception trying to thread a needle in triple coverage. And uh, Belichick is asked about it and he's like, we're on to Miami. I, if they can't sign a quarterback, like they're some of the big losers of this offseason. It's kind of strange because I'm not like super high on Brady. So if they just went out and got, I don't know, Andy Dalton instead of Tom Brady, just replace like, it's the same thing I was thinking for Tampa, that if Tampa just got Dalton instead of Brady, save themselves, you know, all these millions. I think they'd almost be exactly the same. I think if you just put Dalton in New England for next year, New England would be basically as good as last year. Uh, Here's a hot take for you. Mayo, I think Andy Dalton would have been a better overall player than what Tom Brady will show as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer if Dalton were in that same situation. I really do. Uh, I, I, you know, you look at Brady, he's regressed considerably in four consecutive years in terms of just completion percentage. You could say, oh, well, he didn't have Gronk last year. Oh, look, at he was throwing a who like Philip Dorsett, uh, Meyer, kid, you know, just guys off the scrap heap and Julian Edelman and James White. You know, I understand that the overall offensive environment wasn't the greatest for Tom Brady, but father time, last I checked, is still undefeated. And it's a guy well into his 40s. Uh, I think his deep ball is still decent. He was number nine in deep ball completion percentage last year, but the touch, the accuracy, the zip, it has eroded despite what the Buccaneers believe, saying, oh, well, we checked out the film and Tom Brady still looked good to us. Uh, scoops of avocado ice cream, yum, yum, good, good. He's going to put up huge numbers because we got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and OJ Howard. I understand that, but I got severe reservations. And I think Andy Dalton, who I wanted my Chicago Bears to acquire instead of stupid Nick Foles, would have been the proper answer. But it's sounding like more and more the Red Rifle may stay in Cincinnati and coddle and be a mentor to one Joe Burrow. Hey, if you're getting paid like 20 million bucks a year, being a backup quarterback is a pretty sweet gig. It is. And we know that Joe Burrow is going to supply all the cigars. Yeah, there we go. Uh, it's, I'm not <laughs> saying that like Tom Brady can't be good. I think that he's fine, but you're getting a league average quarterback, not an elite superstar like you're paying him to be. And Andy Dalton is the definition of league average quarterback. 
who can be above average when he has, uh, you know, healthy weapons. I mean, he, he had some decent fantasy seasons, um, you know, statistical seasons when AJ Green, uh, AJ Green was at full strength. I mean, could you imagine? I, I just, you know, picturing Andy Dalton in my head uh, as a Tampa Bay Buccaneer. So with Mike Evans and Godwin and Howard, we'll see what they do at running back. They're definitely going to invest in a pass catcher. Uh, maybe they get a DeAndre Swift. Maybe they get a, a John the Taylor, which would be incredible. Uh, or a Keyshawn Vaughn, as I mentioned, or a Zach Moss, who I like a lot, a kid out of Utah. Um, you know, I, I just, I, I like the setup for Tom Brady. I'm just not sure there's a lot of petrol in that tank. He is hovering that needle just above the E on the dashboard. I mean, I've seen some of the player props on Brady anywhere from 33 and a half passing touchdowns at the high water mark to 29 and a half passing touchdowns this season. I think he could hit 30. But that is far from a guarantee. Yeah, he definitely could hit. He could hit the over on all of those. I, If I'm going to put my money on that, I'm just going to bet the unders. It was a lot like Tampa Bay is shaping up to be this year's Cleveland Browns from last year. Everyone's just all in on them, and you have to resist the urge to buy into the hype. You have to be a naysayer, and the markets are just over-projecting, over-projecting. Everyone wants this to happen, and if you just bet against it happening, and everyone's going to bet on it happening, you stand to have some good odds in your favor. You know, it was really interesting. Tom Brady in that 12-team PPR mock draft. Do you want to venture a guess among quarterbacks where he settled in terms of the pecking order? I think there's five that are substantially kind of by themselves, and you have another five who are kind of, I don't know. Since you're asking me this question, I assume he went higher than I would think that he's going to go. I'll say quarterback seven. No, quarterback 14. That makes more sense. That's probably around... I'd probably have him a bit lower fantasy-wise, but I, I do see where the upside creeps in with those weapons. So th that seems fine to me, to tell you the truth. I did a draft. Well, we were in the League of Leagues draft, and we had a yep. decision at the end to, do we just take Brady and roll with him as our quarterback, or do we take Cam and Jameis and just hope one of them falls into a better situation? We decided on the Cam and Jameis route. Yeah, which I think is a smart move. Uh, you know, you if you believe that Cam Newton winds up in New England, I mean, it's a terrible situation. Or, or even even if it's the Chargers, that's a really good. If one of them ends up yeah. on the Chargers, that's the guy that we're playing. Uh, again, you know, I'm going to put my money where my mouth, my mouth is, and I'm a betting man. I think Cam Newton will end up wearing a bolt on the helmet come yeah. week one. Well, you got you to bet minus 140 for that. Oh, is that what it's up to now? Yeah, I was looking at it today. Uh, no value there. Let's see. Player specials. Come on. Where are we at here? T player futures. MVP. Well, that's, I don't care about MVP. Where, where are we going? <laughs> Team futures. Pick by position. Now, now I'm, oh, QB next team special. Andy Dalton special. Cam Newton. Oh, sorry. Now, I uh, sorry. It's not minus 140. It's plus 140 for the Chargers. Okay. I get on board with that. So, you know, put down 100 bucks, 140 in return. Cash I mean, money, king, let's go. Instead of, I know that they're probably going to draft Tua, but you know, you're going to draft an injured guy. You get him on the rookie contract. But instead of paying Shaq Lawson and automatic flowers, 10 million bucks a year, can you just pay Cam Newton? You could. I, Tua's not going to be an LA Charger unless they trade up. They're going to have to trade with Washington at two, maybe the Lions at three. Washington's that team that's going to trade down ultimately uh they believe they have satisfied their quarterback need and kyle allen uh says ron rivera and they're gonna stick with twain haskins and try to develop him after spending hefty draft capital on him last year so i think that number two position you know maybe the chargers trade up and try to get to it there uh but you know again from all the things that i've been hearing everything that i've been reading the chargers are rather enamored with justin herbert so i think they'd be very satisfied getting him at their draft position 
And then either Miami trades up to two or they stand pat and they get two within at pick number five overall. How about this one? When we talk about losers, we can talk about loser franchises. So the Jets signed Brashad Perriman and a bunch of backup O-linemen. Sweet offseason. <laughs> I actually like Perriman. I'm an apologist. Look, Perriman's fine. He, I mean, you want to talk about like your haircut right now? Imagine what his hair looks like. <laughs> well, yeah, because he got paid. But look, you know, this is a guy that deserves to have a shot at being the number one. He proved that last season with Jameis Winston, and he delivered on that promise. Uh, I mean, you look at weeks 13 through 17, he was the third most valuable wide receiver in fantasy land, a guy that won people their titles. He yeah, but it, I mean, what is, the di- what is the difference between 2019 Brashad Perriman down the stretch with Jameis and whatever the fuck year it was with Billy Volek and Drew Bennett? Like, is this, is this actually a thing? Because it just seems like a product of circumstance. No, I, I think it's a thing. I mean, the guy was a first-round pick. He's an absolute physical specimen. He's got the right size, six foot two, 215, 17 pounds, and he can fly. He's one of the fastest guys out there. It just, you know, it took him longer to develop than people anticipated. You know, when the Baltimore Ravens took him, he just never lived up to the promise. And then once the injury him started biting uh, and taking down wide receivers in Tampa Bay, he got an opportunity and he flourished as a result of it. Now, I think the biggest question mark is Sam Darnold. Can he take that next step? No. You got Jamison Crowder well, there. He's going to be tough taking steps. I mean, the guy looks like he's about to weigh 400 pounds. I mean, taking steps when you have the diabetes is going to be tough. Well, there's about 150 pounds, I think, in his head alone. <laughs> he's got a large noggin. It's like Bruce Bochy's Shrek head that he's got going on. But he was not a particularly efficient passer last year, whether under pressure, whether in the red zone, whether on deep balls. Uh, I think he had like a 75.6 passer rating on Chucks beyond 20 yards. But Perriman is a is a big-bodied receiver. He's got the speed. He's added those branches to the route tree. He went wide receiver 38 to John Hansen in our little 12-team PPR exercise. And I thought that was one of the steals of the draft. I think Brashad Perriman could be wide receiver, anywhere between wide receiver 23 and wide receiver 26. Because he's going to see 24 to 25% of the target share. And if the Jets' defense is, you know, bottom basement, yet again, uh, I mean, he could have ample targets and opportunity week in and week out. I, I Listen, I'm with you. Fantasy-wise, it's a really good destination for him. Just because of the target share you mentioned, the potential you know, just attempts and bulk volume that he could end up getting. But he could also just not be good, and Jamison Crowder could be better. You could have quarterback issues. I'm just talking from, like, a real-life perspective. This guy is your number one. You got problems. He's, like, 93 years old. Secret. He's, like, a Cuban baseball player. (laughs) Well, we would not know the age of the Cuban baseball player, necessarily. We'd be guessing in many cases there, but... Yeah, I don't know, man. I it, it, With Adam Gase, that's the other factor you have to consider here. He's an, a giant nincompoop. <laughs> Why sugarcoat it? He's a moron. You know, the, the eyes follow the taco around. I mean, he's he's lost. He's got no idea what the hell he's doing. Uh, you know, I've seen props on Jets wins at like seven and a half, and I'm like, how? How on earth could he even flirt with the over on that? I would be breaking out the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, the sledgehammer, pound of the under. On any Jets total bet that's out there. But again, I think in fantasy purposes, for the most part, although that was a betting angle, which I also think about heavily. I wish I had something to uh, wager on outside of Belarus soccer right now. But um, yeah, I mean, the Jets are going to be dreadful. Uh, they're going to be uh, basement dwellers likely in that uh, in that division. And yeah, good luck to them.
Yeah. Any other big-time losers, or is that going to be it? The Texans, Patriots, and Jets for the AFC. Yeah, I think that's about it, really. I mean, there's something else that really stands out. Uh, you know, just from a, a player perspective, even though he wasn't acquired via free agency, Stephon Diggs going to Buffalo, that's a downgrade. I think a considerable one for me. And I like Josh Allen a ton from a fantasy perspective because of that scoring duality, but he was still quarterback 30 and just a completion percentage last year. You know, can he get sharper? Can he be more precise with his delivery and his passes? I don't think that's ever going to happen. And I think the Bills are set up to take this division. They you know, have to be the favorite right now, and I think they are, according to most uh, odds makers that are out there, like plus 120 or something like that. Uh, to take the AFC East. Well, they're, and, and they're, they're, they're the, I mean, the Patriots are still the favorite in that division at even money. Really? Yeah. That doesn't make any sense to me. I, I'd be betting on Buffalo. I, I mean, the Bills right now on paper, they got an outstanding defense. They have one of the best cover corners of the league in Tredavious White. I think the offensive line is, is going to be a, a very good unit overall. I don't really see a whole lot of weaknesses here. And you bring in Stephon Diggs, who's, you know, got a, a, a great catch, Radius, his ability in, in precise route running, uh, he gets it done. He can climb the ladder. Uh, he could be a legitimate number one. And you have John Brown there, who's a rock solid number two. Um, you know, I'd like what they have at tight end. I love Devin Singletary as well, who's an emerging talent. Hey, I, I like the setup for the Bills. I think the Bills could be a 10-win team this year. I'm just not buying that Stephon Diggs is a wide receiver too. I view him as more of a wide receiver three in a 12-team PPR. Yeah, I, I think that Diggs is going to be pretty good. I think that he'll bring out the best in Josh Allen here. And the problem is, like, the Bills piled up a lot of wins, like the Jets and Patriots last year, because the AFC East played a tremendously easy schedule. It's not, like, super tough this year. Significantly more difficult, though. So if they get behind in some games, maybe Josh Allen will have to air it out a little bit more. They rarely trailed last season, at least by a lot. Uh, and just the crisp route running of Stephen Diggs, we saw it with Beasley last year like Beasley was just wide open all the time very easy yeah. completions and with Diggs I mean you're gonna have John Brown he doesn't create separation like Diggs does it could just be a lot of easy completions and a good receiver can make Josh Allen look a lot better and I think Diggs may not have like super duper Minnesota numbers but I think that he's just going to be fine like if he could replicate his 63 for uh, you know, 1,100 yards from last year. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility, again, even in Buffalo. The last two, before we get out of here, I think the Steelers and Ravens are just going, they got better, but not like substantially better. The Steelers, if Big Ben comes back and isn't like a disaster and isn't completely hurt, they're going to be really good. And the Ravens, man, their defense is going to be better. And that's kind of scary. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the Ravens are set up to win the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, they, they should have been, in the Super Bowl last year, they didn't have that blip uh, in the playoffs. But, you know, that that's a team that is is ripe for success. Uh, you know, you got a elite offensive line. You've got a dynamite quarterback that nobody has really figured out yet. And, you know, there's going to be some aggression there with Lamar Jackson. He's not going to run for another 1,200 yards. But could he crack a 1,000? Sure. I think that's entirely uh, you know, doable. I think he could duplicate that level of production. He had 36 passing touchdowns as well. I think he's going to improve as a as a thrower. I, I know some people are going to say, well, what about the uh, the exercise we saw at the Pro Bowl? He couldn't even hit, you know, a sitting target or one that was barely moving. I, I get that, but you know, when the real bullets are flying, uh, he's a guy that can certainly get the job done, especially when he's got some big bodied weapons, say like a Mark Andrews to throw to. I'll be curious to see what they do with running back. They may address that in the NFL draft. Uh, you know, Mark Ingram's a player that, uh, you know, is, is no spring chicken anymore. Uh, he can still get it done, um, you know, because he is uh, somebody that's propped up by the overall situation. Uh, and I like Gus Edwards quite a bit. He's a strong, 
north-south runner, just a, a plow in the open field, but they may want to bring in somebody that's more of a legitimate three-down back that can catch some balls out of the backfield to make uh, some of those high-percentage throws from Lamar Jackson when he does get flush out of the pocket. But, you know, that's when Lamar's best is improvising in the open field as a runner. But, yeah, I'm with you, man. I, I think the Ravens are the team to beat right now on paper, although the Kansas City Chiefs are going to have a statement to say about that. They're damn good as well. But the AFC is loaded uh, with those, you know, two, three, you know, three teams that we mentioned with the, the Ravens, the Chiefs, and the Steelers, as long as Roethlisberger's beard that he's growing right now in self-quarantine isn't really holding him down. Uh, with Deontay Johnson, I think Juju Smith-Schuster is going to have a revival this season. Uh, and we're hearing uh, grumblings, rumblings right now out of Pittsburgh that they're going to be investing in the running back position in the NFL draft. Uh, probably an insurance policy for James Conner, who was not healthy last year. Hey, if you do like the Steelers, they're the fourth favorite to win the AFC right now per DraftKings Sportsbook. 11 to 1 for the Steelers. If you think mm. that Ben's healthy, I mean, it's, it's worth a gamble. Not going to lie to you. I anyway, fade. Go fade. fade. You're fading at 11 to 1. To win the, not to win the Super Bowl, to win the AFC. Fade. Right. Not going to happen. Give me the Bills. Give me the Bills. The, the Bills are 13 to 1. I'll take that value all day. All right. <laughs> Can we just bet Steelers wins versus Bills wins? I'm done. I'm writing it down right now. All right, you write that one down. We'll be on the record for that one. Brad Evans, one, two, three, every single weekday on Sirius XM Fantasy Sports Radio. What are you guys talking about besides football? The weather? Yeah, I mean, we're talking about college basketball coaches and what they're watching on TV. My buddy Jeff Goodman uh, mentioned that. Yeah, bet on weather. We've discussed that. Uh, we, we discussed all kinds of craziness. I'm doing some trivia questions. A game of guess who with Funston, uh, just you know, trying to measure his acumen in various sports. So, oh, I thought you meant like, I thought you're I thought you meant you were playing that game where you're like red hair and you're like no, not red hair. Then you put the people down. <laughs> Look, man, we can stretch it out. We got two hours of content to fill every single day. We have no damn sports, and thank God it's manna from the sports gods. The NFL is just like screw COVID. We're just going to continue to plow through on a regular schedule. We got the NFL draft coming up here in like three weeks, three, four weeks. And then it's, you know, it's going to be somewhat normal, though we're not really going to know when the season officially begins. All right. Last one. Total running backs drafted in the first round of the NFL draft over other over under half a running back under under. You think none go. Now, I look, John, the Taylor's a special player. But just to speak, as we talked about at the top of the show, the devaluation of the running back position is a thing. And there are a lot of GMs that feel they can find and unearth guys, even undrafted players to fit their system. So Jonathan Taylor, probably going to go in round two. I doubt anybody trades up or selects him in round one. If you bet the under, it is plus 240 right now at DK Sportsbook. I'll take it. There we go. Brad Evans, follow him. Oh, yeah, you have the weird Twitter now. Now, now I'm totally confused. It's noisy, noisy huevos, right? Uh, noisy huevos. Yeah, that is correct. With an H. Yes, on the Twitter machine. You can follow me at the PME Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Sub to the Pat Mayo Experience if you want to get into that draw for 100 DraftKings dollars. That is for the audio version. For the video version, smash the like. Leave your DraftKings handle in the comment section. Winner, loser, team, AFC. That easy. You can be in the draw for both of them, 120 DK dollars. I'm Pat Mayo. Thank you all for watching. More shows coming up soon. I'll see you next time. Experience. Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. 
You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.